Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Leanne Yong started her career as an IT business analyst and is now an escape room creator who has designed internationally recognised games with her partner that weave unique puzzle mechanics with narrative. This is the coolest job anyone who works at Queer Stories has ever had. Two Can Play That Game is her debut novel, and she performed this story at Sydney Writers' Festival. Okay, so, you know what scares me? Like visceral, stomach churning, reaching into a vat of wriggly worms and maggots kind of terrifying? Worms and maggots. I mean, okay, not really. Please don't test this. Um, But the actual answer is failure. It's like that monster in a video game that keeps stalking you but the game won't let you kill it, so all you can do is scream, shut your eyes, kind of flail at the buttons and hope for the best. So my first close brush with failure was my first actual job. I was that stereotypical, nerdy, coddled Asian kid. You know, the one with the scholarship to a good private school, parents who put her in extra tuition, who didn't do many extracurriculars because, you know, grades. So all this to explain why, when I decided in year 12 that I wanted to get a job to earn extra cash, I had no practical experience whatsoever. So what does an introverted, inexperienced kid do? She engages in nepotism, of course. So my parents had friends who owned a Thai restaurant. At the annual Christmas party, I went up to them. I did the whole spiel of, you know, auntie, uncle, leho, isn't this gathering lovely? Yes, I'm doing so well. By the way, would you have room for one more waitress? I don't know how much of it was them going, hey, we can get an extra waitress at minimum wage. And, you know, how much was, okay, we'll do this for her parents' sake. But I found myself a proud new waitress at their restaurant. It never once crossed my mind that I could possibly be a bad waitress. I mean, all my life I'd been that overachieving kid who'd never really failed at anything, even if anything tended to be more in the realm of academics. But here's the thing. I am shy and awkward at small talk, chronically clumsy, focused intently on one task at a time, and have the memory of a goldfish. I also get really stressed under pressure and need distance to think things over. So, as you can guess, the job turned out exactly how you would imagine. And there's still one particular memory, representative of my entire waitressing experience, that still makes me just full body cringe to this day. Okay, let me set the scene. The kitchen entryway is this narrow corridor. There's a wall on one side, a small table next to the industrial stove where the chefs did all the wok work. The table itself 
that was there was this rickety thing that one of the chefs had put up, covered in bottles of sauces and oil and other cooking stuff. Let me repeat that. Lots of bottles. I mean, looking back, it was probably a minor miracle that nothing had happened before that day. But I started getting comfortable, which is probably a dangerous thing when your you know, natural state of being does not involve A, a clear sense of your surroundings, and B, general spatial awareness. So this was one of the really busy nights where there's always you know, at least three things that need to be done right now. So I hustled into the kitchen to put up one of the order forms, spun around, and then hustled right back out. Well, I would have if the damn table had not been in the way of my leg. I can still picture the entire scene in slow-mo. That moment when you know exactly what is happening, but there is absolutely nothing you can do to stop it. The glass bottles sliding off the table, like raindrops off an umbrella, landing on the floor with quite a literal splash. There was a smell of fish sauce on everything on me, and believe me, fish sauce smells. Glass everywhere, total wreckage, and me in the middle of it on one of their busiest nights. So eventually, I found excuses as to why I was oh so busy with schoolwork and life in general. Would have loved to keep working there, but it's such a pity. Quick exit stage left, get out, never come back. So I got really, really good at running from failure or, you know, reasoning it away, keeping that kind of emotional distance from everything I did. So every time I went into anything new, the first thing I would do would be to run through all of the worst case scenarios, plan any fallbacks, and it mentally prepared me to hold on to things lightly so I could easily let them go. Except there are some failures that you just can't flee from. You know, like the point in the video game when you've spent it all running from the boss, but then it decides, no, I'm going to lock you into an arena with it. And you still can't kill it, by the way. And you can't run away either, so you're going to be backed into a corner. You can't scream and run anymore. You actually have to face the damn thing. So in 2021, while visiting my parents, I told my elderly dad to go to the bathroom to clear his throat after he'd had a pretty violent coughing fit. I also told him I would come walk behind him because he was rather frail after some serious medical issues. So I said, I'll be there in a moment, just hold on. He stood up ever so slowly. I was reading something insignificant on my laptop. He took one step, two steps on the carpet, no issues. I looked up, he coughed. Then before my eyes, he lost his balance. He toppled like that flimsy table. Like the first incident, I can also picture it in slow-mo. But this time, it's not mere bottles of sauce. This is my dad, falling backwards, moving through air so dense a millisecond stretches to a second to 10 seconds, and my body is led, my body is bound by the shackles of inertia and gravity, and it cannot move at the speed it needs to catch him to be there when he falls, as he's always done for me. He topples like a tree, a giant felled. The crack as his head hits the carpet is a gunshot that pierces me through the heart as I reach him too late, too full of useless regrets. 
he's groaning, grunting, as though he wants to say something, but he can't, as though something in there has ceased to function on a level that terrifies me. I remember there was a lot of yelling afterwards for my dad to stay with me, talk to me, for my mum to call the ambulance now as she came running at my shouting. Everything was a blur. All I remember was saying those words to my dad on repeat. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't leave me with this kind of goodbye. In the end, we were lucky. We had some time, but we still had to say goodbye a month later. I remember endless hours at the hospital thinking there had to be a way things would work out, that he would regain consciousness for more than a five-minute stretch and we would find a way forward. Wanting to hear his voice one more time, see his face soften into a smile as he called me my little one, even at 30-something years old. I already had worst-case plans prepared for long-term care. They'd been prepared for years, given his deteriorating condition. There were just so many long nights on a trundle bed beside his unconscious form, struggling to accept that I'd failed, failed him so utterly, and there was no going back. I could walk away from that disastrous experience as a waitress. I could walk away from all the times I messed up at work or even in my personal life. I could tell myself that failing at work or at being the good older sibling or even finding a partner, none of these actually mattered. But I could never just walk away from what my dad meant to me. It made me realize that my fear wasn't so much failing itself as it was losing something I cared about deeply that held the power to leave me with nothing but sharp, shattered shards clutched tightly to my chest. It made me realize that the truly terrifying thing is to love, to care. That picking yourself up from failure can be sometimes less about the courage to try again and more about the courage to care again. I mean, it's not a game boss I'll ever defeat. I'm still a mess of a person who fails at little things like basic walking coordination on a footpath and big things like maintaining friendships. I don't think there will ever come a day when I miraculously get my life together and become a perfect person. Well, all close to it. But to put it a different way, I care. I care that I can't afford to give my cat a safe yard to roam in, that my escape rooms didn't make a major top 100 list, that no publisher outside Australia wants my book, that I'm so replaceable in my work, in my role at work. I mean, I care and I'm constantly terrified. But I've stared down that big game boss. I've weathered its attacks despite the screaming and the flailing and the, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, what do I do next? So the terror won't ever go away, but at least I can stand myself and let myself reckon with it now. I can care, and it makes the victories that much sweeter. Just don't ever ask me to try that with worms or maggots. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share your favourites on the socials, and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. You can also follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.